Welcome back to In the Queue Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host, Phil, and I have a real weapon, and sometimes I do choose to use it. Oh, oh, says the documentarian in the mm-hmm. crowd. Yeah, uh-huh. me. Sure he does. Uh, and I'm Andrew, and I am your other host, and uh, sometimes the antics on The Daily Show can become something more than that. Yeah, some more than real. just antics. That's right. Sometimes very consequential antics, as it were. So, uh, yeah. welcome. As I said, this is in the queue. Um, we would like to tell you about where you can find us on the web before we talk about our film today, which is Rosewater. Um, yep. Basically, you can find us in a number of different places. You can find us on our blog, which is www.in-the-q. It's the letter Q.com. And yep. there you can uh, post requests for movies you would like us to review. You can also listen to all our shows. And you can participate in a discussion that goes on there as well with other people who are fans of the program. Like-minded individuals, if you will. And I will. So you will. Then also we have a Facebook page. Just search Facebook for In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. There you can also find our shows. You can participate in discussions. You can also post listener requests. And you can watch videos and other things that we post every after every episode um, to sort of, you know, I mean, give you another look at, uh, at what we're talking about. I mean, sometimes we'll post a trailer for the movie. Other times we'll post, like, some kind of behind-the-scenes stuff. It's a mixed bag, folks. You never know what's going to happen. A mixed, a grab bag, but the kind that you get at a party where nothing's really bad. It's all fun stuff. Exactly. Well, I haven't been to a party like that in a long time. Yeah, I know. Like maybe since I was in grade school. <laughs> yeah, but those were really fun. Those were always great. Lastly, there is iTunes. We post a lot of our shows to iTunes. Wait, 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 wait. You want to pick it up from that joke? Like that was. We were in the middle of that when the cat jumped up. Yeah, I thought that I said that I had. That sounds like a fun party. We'd already done, we already oh done the oh show. yeah because we had done iTunes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I we can't we can't recreate the beauty and spontaneity of that joke so well it's gonna have to go then because it's it was in the middle of my response to the joke that the cat jumped up okay and so, there's no space in between that's the reason I was saying we should re- re- all right so we'll do we'll do that's okay we'll read you want to redo the joke then no 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 just go iTunes and I'll I'll I mean I don't know how it's gonna edit together because I wasn't paying attention because I didn't expect that to happen all right so. Okay. Um, there's also iTunes. You can find us there. Just do a search for In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. You can download all of our podcasts, and you can subscribe to us so that you will get all of our podcasts as they are released. You will be current. You will be relevant. You will Ooh. be well-liked by your peers. Wow. I know I'm promising You a are lot. promising an awful lot. Yeah, but... Um, you know, I feel like I feel like we can back that up. You know, think we can? Yeah, I think so. I think we have the cachet to do it. The chutzpah. The chutzpah. The the cajones. That doesn't have a ch. <laughs> so today's movie is Rosewater. <laughs> uh, this film is the directorial debut of John Stewart of The Daily Show. He wrote and directed this movie. Yes, he and did. It's, it's based on an actual book by a journalist named Maziar Bahari, 
who is the subject of the film. And basically, this is the story that is connected to The Daily Show in a very interesting way. Uh, mm-hmm. Maziar Bahari is a um, Iranian-Canadian journalist who travels to Iran in 2009 to document the historic elections that are taking place. And while he's in Iran, he is interviewing people, he is documenting people with his video camera, and he's basically doing what a journalist does, assembling a story, when yeah. he is uh, suddenly, uh, without warning, apprehended by the Iranian authorities. Uh, yes. They actually come to where he is you know, literally sleeping and, and uh, rouse him and, and just take him away. And um, they accuse him of being a spy. And one of the reasons that they are convinced that he's a spy is because they saw a segment he recorded in Iran with Jason Jones of The Daily Show. Yes. Where Jason Jones pretended to be an actual spy and, and did this satirical bit, which we Americans, most of us, especially of our generation, are familiar with The Daily Show and, and The Onion. And we understand that there is kind of like this whole new genre almost of like quasi-real, quasi-satirical journalism out there. Um, yep, yep. And, it's, uh, and it's up to us, the, the consumer, to determine what's real and what's not and, and what are we actually gaining from, from this uh, type of you know, media, which is kind of interesting, actually. Um, so anyway, but the joke is totally lost on his captors. And um, the, the title of the film refers to uh, a couple things. Um, Rosewater, it's the scent that Bahari smells on his interrogator. Um, they, the interrogator never I, reveals his name, of course. And um, uh, Bahari harkens back to this, this you know, old idea that um, Rosewater had a certain significance as it was like um, it was something that was sprinkled on, on the pious. It was sprinkled on people who were sort of, you know, believers. And um, interestingly, the, the name of the book is not Rosewater. It's, it's something like And Then They Came For Me, I believe, or something yes. mm-hmm. like that. And yet uh, John Stewart, in adapting the, the book, decided to change the title to Rosewater. And it kind of, in a way, attaches a lot of significance to this sort of sense, sensory detail about the, the smell of the interrogator, which is kind of interesting, I thought. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's kind of the summary of of the film. As you can imagine, John Stewart, who is a comedian and has been a comedian for twenty five years or so, um, is not exactly the most visually adept filmmaker. I would say. No, I would agree with that. <laughs> um, he is not really a great storyteller when it comes to filmmaking. Um, I really, yeah. while this film is very earnest and, and, uh, and earnest, I would, once again, I'd use the word earnest. Uh, it's a story. Yeah. It's a story about something that is unjust without a doubt. Um, mm-hmm. Bahari should not have been imprisoned and he was imprisoned for over a hundred days. Uh, but beyond that, I felt like most of the film sort of didn't really have a lot to offer in terms of sort of. Um, processing the significance of his imprisonment, um, 
And I thought that from a purely like, you know, cinematic perspective, it's there's not much of a directorial stamp on anything. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, the, the, a lot of the dialogue scenes, especially the interrogation scenes, really could have moved along a lot faster with more intensity. Well, I think um, I think one of the, the problems with it is, is that it's a it's in for all intents and purposes, kind of a literal retelling of what happened. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't really understand the sort of value of cinematic devices. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't really use anything. It doesn't, there's no, it doesn't use anything in the bag of tricks, the, the vast bag of tricks that filmmakers have at their disposal to, uh, yeah. elicit feelings from the audience and manipulate them. Um, this is, and I hate to say this, use this word, but it is amateurishly directed. It's I pedestrian. Think. Yeah, it's, it, it is. I mean, there's one thing. There's one thing though that that I think about when I think about Rosewater that I liked, and yeah. it's something that's a little bit different. It's not like it's never been done, but it actually it does say something. And that that scene that I'm referring to, it's in the trailer. I'm pretty sure when Bahari is riding around on a motorcycle with one of his new buddies, and yep. we we see superimposed hashtags on all these people walking around. And I like yeah. that because. Because it, it was a visual explanation of how the word and the message of what was going on was spreading throughout Iran. And yeah, I thought I've, that, you know, it's, they actually called it the Twitter revolution. So it actually did happen. It's not like yeah, they, they that, made it up. Yeah, what? Yeah, no, that, that's fine as a device in and of itself. But for that to happen in the middle of a film that is otherwise... <laughs> Has uses n- nothing of the sort and and is for all intents and purposes pretty bland and is really just a bunch of dialogue scenes. Well, I um, thought that maybe John Stewart. Really, I thought he had something up his sleeve after that, but but you're right. I mean, he didn't. I mean, that was he never of, employs it again. I mean, that's maybe like a third of the way through the film that that happens, maybe halfway, and yeah. then for the entire duration of the the rest of the film, it, it you don't see another similar device at all. Yeah. Even there is. So Mazier Bahari is imprisoned, you know, for a good length of time, five mm-hmm. months or something like that. Yeah. And in that time, he there, John Stewart makes use of the idea that his father and his sister were connected uh, to him very closely. He had a very close connection with them, uh, but he sees them kind of as not martyrs necessarily, but as people he respects for standing up for their beliefs. They were both at various different times arrested and spent time in jail for being communists Mm -hmm. uh, in Iran. And that, that was, you know, first by the Shah, his father was imprisoned. And then I think by the Ayatollah Khomeini, Mm -hmm. uh, his sister was imprisoned. And, uh, and so when he is in solitary confinement for this enormous length of time, we see him having conversations with the the sort of shades of his sister and his father. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just struck by how uninteresting it was to watch those <laughs> conversations. <laughs> like how, how you know, it, you would see them there one second and then it would cut back to a shot, a wider shot, where you could see that Mazier Bahari was alone in his cell and having this conversation, but you would still hear, yeah, you would still hear the, 
the voiceover from his mother or his, I mean, his, his uh, father or his sister. Yeah. And I, I, I just, I thought it was just colossally. Yeah. It's, an, it's inept. It's insipid dull. because it, it, it actually insults our intelligence as viewers because it says that we would, we would not be able to understand that he was actually talking to a specter and not a real person. That's why we need to have this yeah. wide shot of him. And isn't this, you know, isn't this so sad or poetic to see him talking to the air? I mean, yeah, but it, but then it never cuts back. Like it, it just sits there and it'll linger on that. Why? I remember at one point it lingered. It, it, you know, he's having a conversation with his father. It cuts back, and it's a wide shot, and then it lingers there for like a minute and a half, just yeah, on that shot. And I was like, okay, I okay, yeah. Can come can on. we do something? Can we go somewhere? Can we come on, <laughs> Mr. Stewart? Make something happen. Like it, it's it. It seems like. Uh, He's going through the motions of what he thinks, like the beats are in a movie. Yeah. Like these are the beats that you're supposed to hit, and this is how these kinds of things are handled in movies. But it it lacks the nuanced understanding that makes those sorts of things really, really compelling. I mean, I I never in the course of this film, I never got a palpable sense of Maziar Bahari being broken down and being no. really. Like broken, like have his spirit like trampled. Like we we never got so low that when we, you know, get high again, we're elated. You know, yeah. I I was just kind of I was I felt like I was at the same emotional level yeah. through the entire yeah, yeah. film. The the performances were almost not even there, um, and the the guy who played his interrogator I thought was more comedic than intimidating. I thought he was more kind of bumbling, which is maybe the. Well, and I think he was tension. played that way. Yeah, well, I, was, I mean, I think played. that I, I mean not just played that way. I think that he was directed that way. Well, there's also yes, there's also the fact that you know, yes, it's bad, but it never gets so bad that we're really in pain watching him. It just seems yeah. very boring for him to be there all the time and ask these stupid yeah. questions. And and the film never really sort of makes makes any kind of clear case for why he would be imprisoned for so long, because. I'm not disputing that he was not in prison for as long as they say he was, he but was. but was. there's no like there doesn't seem to be any justification as to what did they see in him that they needed to keep him for so long. I mean, what well, I think that, that was part. I think that 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 I'll forgive them because I think that that's part of the uh, the idea is that they saw him as a threat and they were frightened of him, so they just imprisoned him with no reason for an. Indeterminate, indeterminate amount of time that would have been much longer if he hadn't had all of this international attention brought upon him that mm-hmm. you know showed Iran in a in a negative light. Um, well, I mean, fair enough, uh, but I just feel like to make like dramatic sense, though, I feel like it, it's undramatic for 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 the the events of him being imprisoned to be so sort of full of boredom and minutia. Yeah, I think I think this is an interesting case where, you know, you hear people complain a lot about uh, real life accounts as they're depicted in the movies, right? And mm-hmm. they say, oh, this was embellished and this was like spruced up to be more than it actually was. And I think that this is maybe a textbook case of the reason that filmmakers do that. There's a yeah. reason because like if you just do it exactly as it happened, you 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 aren't – 
it, you're not watching something interesting. You're not making an interesting, compelling viewing experience. You are. You might be telling the exact truth mm-hmm. as it happened, but there's you know there's a even even documentaries which are ostensibly just documenting events and, uh, yes. and reporting them. Even those construct themselves in such a way as to you know rile you up and get you yeah. get you going. Yeah, I mean documentaries are manipulation just as much as fiction films are. But yeah. uh, but you know but then you got to sort of you know ask the question. Well, if this is the truth, if this is what really happened, then what is the truth, and what is what is truth in a film versus truth in real life? Right. I mean, right. it's very. To me, that's like the really interesting part of movies, and I think that's there's <laughs> there's so much, so much you know to be mined there in terms of of what the cinema could be, whereas way too often we get movies like Rosewater, where the the film is kind of thinking it should be a certain way based on all the movies that the director has already seen on this topic. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. That- but I mean, I, you know, I, I kept thinking while I was watching this about hunger, which is the mm-hmm. Steve McQueen film with Michael Fassbender about the Irish prison hunger strikes. Mm-hmm. Right. And that film granted Steve McQueen was a visual artist before he became a filmmaker. True. So, it makes sense that it would be so visually interesting to look at. But at the same time, that film with very little dialogue, very little speaking at all in that entire film, uh, save for one, oh, one amazing sequence in the middle of the film. Anyway, uh, the, the sense of like the oppression and the, the, the breaking of the spirit and the, and the, how terrible it was to be in that prison is really really powerful and it's mm-hmm. very you know even even watching i don't know like the great escape or the bridge on the river kwai or something like that felt more uh you know authentic authentic than the, in in a lot of ways that, no actually i won't say that because i think that this did feel authentic for for the experience that he had this is probably what it was but if the idea was that that the iranian regime was breaking him down and breaking his spirit. There's even a line uttered at one point by the sort of head interrogator who says uh, something along the lines of, uh, you can't just break his body. You have to uh, break or you have to take away his hope Yeah, or something like that. And I, at no point did I feel like hope was gone. You know, I'd like, like as the, as the audience member, I didn't feel that the filmmakers had gone to the, lengths that were needed to make me feel like there was no getting out of this situation. Mm-hmm. And then you can sort of ease people into the resolution. That makes you know. me, that makes me think about another Steve McQueen movie, 12 years a slave mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. we have somebody who's basically a prisoner and for a very long time. And the whole movie is an unrelenting onslaught of yeah. trauma on, on the main character and on us, the viewers and then finally when when his rescue does arrive and it's like it is like a huge burden lifted off of our shoulders and it's almost like John Stewart doesn't want to go there he doesn't want to sort of like get into the really sort of unpleasantness of of what it's like to have your spirit broken like that i mean there's one scene where uh bahari thinks that he's about to get shot yeah, because his interrogator leads him out, 
into some kind of a room and 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 it cocks a gun and and you know clicks it and then but it's a it's you know it's an empty round or there's there's no actual bullets in that um and and so that kind of like gives you like a, a feeling like oh my god i mean this is i can sort of uh, uh understand why that would be very you know upsetting yes. um but but that comes so late in the in the ordeal and so close to the reversal of fortune that it, mm-hmm. it doesn't like it, it seems like that's supposed to be like the apex, the point at which we just we can't take it anymore, right? That should be the moment when we're just like mm-hmm. we are just as tense. Yeah. You know, and and we're and we're like, oh, we're all gonna die. We as the audience are gonna die in this movie with him. Mm-hmm. But at that point I felt like, oh, finally. Yeah. And then, well, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think that sh- that shouldn't even have been the apex of his suffering. I think it should have happened earlier. I think, and and of course we know that he's not going to die because we we are aware of the it's a true story. story. Yeah. But um, but still, I mean, we should have to sweat a little bit. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we know it's going to end. It's going to end positively for this guy. But but still, it's like you know, you you John Stewart, you have to manipulate us. You have to bring us up and down and up and down and. He doesn't seem to understand the sort of the the aesthetics of of drama of of filmmaking. Yeah, well, and I think that that that's that's because of the the genesis of this project. The genesis of the project is that he he was directly involved, you know, in in some way in this whole ordeal. I remember I remember the original. I remember watching the original interview with Maziar Bahari, and then again watching the one that happened when he came back. Uh-huh. After after he was released, and uh, and thinking that it was a fascinating story at the time, and clearly John Stewart felt the same, and I think that he just wrote the most straightforward factual account of it based off of the book that he could, and then filmed it, mm-hmm. and that was and that was it. And I I don't think that John Stewart I think he has enough humility to know that he's no Stanley Kubrick, right? He's not gonna. I should hope so. You know, <laughs> no, I, I think that he's he has sort of intimated as much, but he made this. It, it was a labor of love for him because it was a, a story that he felt had to be told to the mm-hmm. the wider world. Right. It was a, it needed a greater audience than just, you know, daily show devotees and people who follow international politics really closely. Mm-hmm. So I, I applaud him for that and I appreciate that. And I do think that it is a fascinating story. I just wish that it had a little more, a lot more flair to it, a lot more cinematic uh, je ne sais quoi. Mm. Oh, oh, oh. Oui, oui, monsieur. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, I, I, I went into the film not in, expecting a hell of a lot, I have to admit. Um because I like many, perhaps like you, Andrew, I, I swear by the Internet Movie Database ratings. I put a lot <laughs> of stock in them. I really pay attention to them. And this movie didn't have like a – it feels like a movie like this, if it's going to be good, it's going to be like really, really good. And it's going to have like a rating in the eights, 8.5 or whatever. But this rating right. was a 6.6. And I was thinking like, hmm, well, let's see what's up with this. And uh, yeah, I just feel like – you know, I think we're kind of we're sort of on the same page here about how the film is not really uh, um, from a from a craftsman's perspective, not really an effective movie. Um, yeah, I mean, it uses flashbacks clumsily. It uh, it 
sort of it's not even clear sometimes when we're cutting back to something that's a memory versus something that's happening concurrently or, or right now. Um, I, I just feel like some of the the cinematic devices are, are brought about clumsily because they're they're they feel like things that he thinks he ought to do. There's a, a lot having to do with his his wife and his mother that sort of comes he sort of summarizes what is going on while Bahari's in jail in a very, very short sequence of events right towards the end. And it, it kind of, it felt like we could have maybe used a little bit of cinematic paprika to spice it up a little bit throughout the <laughs> hey, film rather than just bing. kind of, Hey, <laughs> uh, rather than just sort of make it happen right there at the end, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Well, maybe, you know, this will be John Stewart's first foray into filmmaking and his next film will be really good. Hmm? I, I hope so. Like I, I do. I think that, I think he's probably learned a lot in doing this film. And I think that he'll, he's undoubtedly an intelligent man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's, I think that he, he will likely only get better if he continues to make films. Yeah. Um, I do want to say, however, that the, the, I think that the performances, given the direction that, that, the film had the performances I think are, are pretty decent. I think Gail Garcia Bernal as Manzier Bahari is, does as good a job as he possibly can. I think he's, mm-hmm. he's he does a fine job. I think Shore Agdashlu as his mother is really excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's great. Anyway, she was, she was nominated for Academy Award for uh, the house of sand and fog. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Back several years ago. Um, and she was amazing in that movie. If you haven't seen that movie, you should see it. Mm. Uh, just prepare a box of Kleenex because it is not a happy movie. Oh, um, but that's a movie where like you kind of get taken through an ordeal. Actually, speaking of that kind of a uh, a film, anyway, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's an interesting film. the The facts of it are interesting, but the film itself is just not not, not great. Not great. Yeah, and I can think of another comedian. Who, yeah, who uh, took a stab at directing, and uh, you know um, Jerry Lewis. Forty-five years later, uh, is one of the most revered and respected directors of all time. Oh, are you thinking of Terry Gilliam? No, <laughs> that's who I would. <laughs> no, no, no. Although that's pretty good. I was thinking of comedians who became directors. I'm talking about Woody Allen. Oh, of course, yeah, of course, course, yeah. Woody Allen is—he's probably the most notable comedian who became a director. And I'm just thinking, yeah, you know, John Stewart. I think, um, well, and early Woody Allen, especially like the first couple of movies, are kind of uneven for without, yeah, to say the uneven. least. Uneven, <laughs> very they're much so. Mess. Yeah, I think maybe he didn't really become a really great director until he made uh, Love and Death, in my opinion, because I think oh, yeah. Love, Love and Death is is a comedic gem. And then he made Andy Hall two years later, which a lot of people consider his maturation. Magnum opus. Yeah, his, yes. his, his greatest work. So I don't know what Jon Stewart has planned next. I hope he continues to host The Daily Show because I think he's really great at it. Yeah, but yeah. I, will, I will definitely keep my eyes and ears peeled to see what his next project is. Maybe he'll write something original, and that might be a little bit more true to his heart. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, and, and I'm glad that you bring up Woody Allen because Woody Allen's first cinematic effort is a film called what's up tiger lily <laughs> that is uh a, like a chinese film 
where he's just dubbed over the dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> the entire film. And there's like four or five points in the film where it cuts to him in a room sort of doing an interview. And there he gets out like his comedic bits. But, you know, as far as a great film goes, it's not that. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun to watch. It's a crazy movie. And it's really, I remember watching it a million times in high school. Uh, me and my friends would sit around and watch it. We were like, this is the weirdest fun movie we've ever seen. Isn't there a scene at the end where there's like a split screen and on one side of the screen is like an eye chart and on the other side yeah. is this one beautiful woman who's taking off her clothes and it's like at the end of it, it says like, if you were looking at the eye chart the whole time, you have some serious problems or there's some <laughs> kind of like joke that he actually plays on the audience at the end of the picture. Or am I thinking of another Woody Allen movie? I think you're thinking of another Woody Allen movie. Because I don't remember that. Because, uh, well, maybe, maybe. Uh, I don't know. It's been a while since I watched it. Yeah, it's been a while. But I got to go back. So there you go, Jon Stewart. You have you have big shoes to fill. But I know you're going to do it your, your way. Politically, with humor and intelligence. We expect big things from you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think we're both kind of lukewarm on Rosewater. But uh, but we're That's hoping pretty for, good. For I like, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Warm on rosewater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Well, uh, stay tuned for our next podcast coming up. Uh, we're going to be doing another listener request this time from Chris, who is a first time contributor to the podcast. Yes. He's requ- requested that we watch a film that I've wanted to watch for a long time, but just never got around to it. Oh, really? That's, that's right, Andrew. I've never seen it. We're going to watch and discuss Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. Hot I'm really fuzz. excited about it. <laughs> I've seen Shaun of the Dead, but that's that's as far as I've gotten with, uh, with that crazy gang of Brits. Yeah, I have not watched Hot Fuzz since it was in theaters, so I'm kind of excited to watch it again. Cool. So it should be a good show. Stay tuned, everybody, and we'll see you then.